Good morning. Well, as we get started, I wanted to ask you, um, do you ever feel alone? Maybe that's something that's really familiar to you, especially over these last few months. But what happens when you feel alone, when you feel trouble pressing in, and you feel like there's nobody there to help? Where do you go for help? And what words do you say? What flows out of you? Maybe you don't feel particularly alone at the moment, but, but I reckon there's plenty of people around us who really do. So what do you do when you know others around you are, are in darkness, when things are pressing in on them, when they feel alone? How do you help them? What kind of light do you bring into their darkness? Well, today we're going to have a look at a few words of David, one of the, the uh, poet kings of the Old Testament. And we're going to have a look at one of his, his poems. It's called Psalm 22, a poem that was written several thousand years ago. I'm going to read it to you, but before we do, I want to give you some idea of how it goes. Um, so it's not just kind of a big wall of words as poetry sometimes is. So two things to look out for as we read this through. And the first one is to look at the title. If you've got it open there, Psalm 22 says, you're supposed to sing this to the tune, the doe of the morning or the doe of the dawn, as in doe a deer, a female deer, who's around at dawn. Well, we have no idea what that tune was. It was you know, written several thousand years ago, but I reckon a good bet would be that it would maybe go from minor to major. Um, or from kind of sad and scary to bright and joyful. You'll see how the poetry moves like that, how it goes from, from dark at the beginning to bright and joyful at the end. See if you can spot that. It's like walking through a dark forest and then dawn breaks and you see the open country rolling out in front of you and joy comes in the morning. See if you can see that, that moment that dawn breaks in the psalm. The second thing I want you to see is in the darkness, at the beginning of the psalm, look for the light that comes into the darkness. You'll see that it, it comes and it goes, that one moment he's going me, 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 and then you, 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 and then me, and then you, and me, and then you, like that. It's sort of, it's like he's, he's crying out in pain, looking down at his situation and circumstances, and then he looks up and looks to God, and then he's crying out in pain and looking at his circumstances and then looks up to God, and that happens a few times. So see if you can spot that light coming into that darkness, like, uh, I don't know, starlight breaking through the canopy of the forest that you're walking through in darkness. And you get these little moments of light. See if you can see those as we go through and then look out for the dawn as well. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are, are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breasts. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. 
Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a port's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions, from the horns of the wild oxen. You have saved me. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he hasn't despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He hasn't hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I'll fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity, all in the future, will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, to you and me, declaring to us that he has done it. That's a great psalm, isn't it? I wonder if you're walking through darkness that's any kind of darkness like that at the moment, but maybe if you're not, like I said at the beginning, there's plenty of people around us who are. So what do we have to say as Christians to people walking in darkness? How does this psalm bring joy to not just to us, but to our neighbours and to the whole world? Well, let's dig into it. I want us to see two big things today. That truth helps when trouble is near and that dawn breaks with joy. So truth helps when trouble is near. And it really is a lot of trouble, isn't it? Right at the very beginning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's deep trouble because he feels abandoned forsaken day and night he's praying to God and it feels like God is silent and isn't there it feels like God has abandoned him I wonder if you can relate to that well as soon as he feels that he fights that trouble with truth and it's a big truth that fights this big trouble it's the truth that God is God you are enthroned you are powerful you are holy he says to God he picks his eyes up from himself and looks to God and says you are loyal you're trustworthy you always have been and you always will be. Our ancestors looked to you, they trusted you when that they were out in the wilderness and you came through. You helped and rescued and saved them. You helped them and so you won't fail me now. You never failed them and you won't fail me. He reaches up, if you like, he reaches up to the rock that is higher than I, as one of the other Psalms says. He reaches up to be sure that, to know that this is part of God's plan, however dark it is, and God will bring good from it. He's that powerful, he's that good, he's that holy. But then all of a sudden, 
these other voices start to flood in and seem to drown him in troubles again. He's hated, he's despised, he feels like a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, mocked, and they hurl insults and they start to question his faith. They start with that age-old question, if, look, if God is real, then surely he would do something about your suffering, wouldn't he? I mean, you follow God, you claim to be a Christian, so why are things things like this that are so difficult, why are they happening to you? I thought God was supposed to be for you. I thought he was supposed to love you. So so doesn't he hear you or something? I mean, maybe he, maybe he does and he just doesn't care. That's the kind of thing that they're saying here. You trust in the Lord? Well, let God deliver him then. So you trust in God? Well, why hasn't he delivered you? Why hasn't he rescued you? Why are you walking through darkness? Maybe, maybe he does hear and you're just not that important to him. Maybe he does hear, but he's turned his back on you because you've been so bad. You've done so much that's wrong. He's finally said enough is enough and he's turned his back on you once and for all. So come on, why bother reaching up to that rock? I mean, he's probably not even there at all. And if he is, he wouldn't want anything to do with you, would he? That's the kind of thing that is facing. That's the trouble. It's a deep psychological trouble, isn't it? He doesn't just feel like God is abandoning him, but everybody else around him is accusing and putting doubts in his mind. And I wonder if you could relate to that. Maybe it's not people around you, but maybe it's your own heart that says, is God really there? Does he really love you? Does he really care for you? I mean, think of all the stuff that you've done. It's the kind of trouble that raises doubts and insults, not just from outside, but sometimes from our own hearts as well. Well, David battles that kind of trouble with truth as well. And it's, it's a much more intimate truth than the first one. It's not just history and kind of high theology, but it's the theology of his own experience where he says, God was there at my beginning and he's going to be here for me right now. Look at that verse nine, if you've got it there. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. From my birth, I was cast upon you. You were there at my beginning and you'll be here now and you'll be here at my end. Who was at your birth? I mean, you probably don't remember, but, but whoever it was, they're probably some of the closest people in your life right now. Or some of the people that you love most, because those are the people, your mum or your dad or whoever it was, who took you at your most vulnerable. They fed you, they clothed you, they changed you, they soothed you, they taught you to walk. And who was it for David? Who was there at his birth? Who was there at his beginning? It was God. And God taught him and took him and comforted him and taught him to walk in trust. That's who was there at the beginning. That's who is most close and intimate with David. So he says, you were there at my beginning. Please don't leave me at my end. This verse 11 is a really important one and it's tragic, isn't it? Do not be far from me, please. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there's no one to help. Please don't leave me. Lord, you were there at the beginning. Please stay with me now. So if, if you like, he's reached up to that high rock God is God, and now he's reaching out to the hands of the one who's held him from the beginning. But all of a sudden, he's plunged back into even more troubles. And it's a pack of animals, bulls and lions and dogs encircle him. Bulls of Bashan, that's a weird thing. It's, it's like saying Aberdeen Angus cows, the biggest kind of bulls and cows that you could get. Huge things like a truck bearing down upon you. There's, there's a pack of wild animals, not literally, but people who are trying to tear this man to pieces. People who make him feel like he's being pulled apart at the seams, like all his bones are out of joint, like his heart is melting. He's got this deathly thirst and people aren't helping him. They're just looking on. 
They're ogling at his horror. They're fascinated, almost as if they're enjoying the spectacle of his suffering. And they're greedy for even the smallest gain. There they are. They're taking every last thing, taking and taking and taking, even the clothes off his back. Every last shred and rag of his dignity is gone. And then the dust of death settles over everything. Can you relate to that? Physical suffering that feels like it's dragging you down to death. The abuse of other people who should be helping you, but they use you and abuse you instead. Can you relate to that? Well, well, David has almost run out of steam. But one last gasp, one last desperate cry of truth. And it's in verse 19 and 20 and 21. You, O Lord, please don't be far from me because you're my strength. You're my deliverer. So deliver me. Help me. Rescue me. Would you? Would you be the one to rescue me? Because there's nowhere else to turn. It says the crowd of this crowd of raging animals seems to have stamped out life once and for all as darkness finally prevails and chokes out the light, even the light of the stars that poke through that forest canopy, this forest of thorns. You just feel the claustrophobia of that. He's squashed down into death. And then all of a sudden, dawn breaks. Did you hear it? It's that second half of verse 21, which... Um, in our English Bibles, they turned it around, but in Hebrew, that word for you have saved me, it's one word, and it's right at the end of the sentence, right at the end of this sentence. Um, and it, it blows dawn into this darkness. You can see it kind of pink and orange, and then bright yellow and white, and, and light floods in because all of a sudden, this last minute rescue has happened. Dawn breaks with unstoppable joy. Nobody ever expected it, but suddenly light floods the scene. Horror fades away, doesn't it? It's just a memory. Peace breaks out. Joy starts to bubble up. And it's not just in the person who's wrecked, but in everybody else as well. He wants to share it with everyone. So there's feasting and there's sharing and there's singing and there's worship. And everything is being... Um, Everyone is being brought into it to share and recount the stories of this amazing rescue. That famous line from a psalm, weeping lasts through the night, but joy comes in the morning. He says, I thought I was fallen, thought I was alone, I thought I was forsaken. But verse 24, there is someone who sees, there is somebody who hears, I wasn't alone there is somebody who helps. I wasn't alone in that dark wood all by myself. And we are going to tell the world about the one who was there with me, about the one who carried me through. We're going to tell rich and poor, old and young, far and near, every nation, every creed, every race of people. Everybody's going to know about this, about this incredible rescue that has been done and that he has done it. It's a beautiful poem, isn't it? It's a real stunner. But then I wonder as we settle down and think about it a little bit, and our, maybe our doubts start to creep in, our questions come back and we start to think, is this really for me? I mean, is it really for me? How do I know that he'll bring me through darkness? I mean, it was fine for David, you know, the great King David, but how do I know that he'll do that for me? How do I know that I can trust his truth in my own troubles? My suffering, we might say, my suffering is just too deep for him. The situation is too far gone. There's, surely if God was there, he would have done something about it by now. Or maybe you don't look at the darkness outside you, but the darkness within you. And you think, just look at my life. Just look at the darkness that's in my heart. And that is too deep. 
That is too deep. I'm too far gone. There's surely no forgiveness for what I've done. There's no cleaning for all the stuff that's been done to me. It's just too deep. How can I know that those truths belong to me in my troubles? How can I know that there's a God who's there to cry out to? How do I know that that God is a loving God who I can throw myself onto for comfort and for forgiveness, just like a little child? How do I know that I can call on him for rescue? It's all very nice for the great King David, but for me, really? But you can know that all of this is for you, for you and for me, and for anybody who'll hear it, we can know all of this is for us because it wasn't just David who said these words. In fact, I'm not sure that David ever could have said all of these words. I mean, he definitely wrote the psalm, but I don't know if he could really have said all of these things of, of any of the situations he went through because he did suffer a lot, faced an awful lot of horrible things. But if you really think about it, this is not just a story of suffering, is it? This is a story of an execution and it's a successful execution. Did you hear that? Because whoever this man is who's speaking in the psalm, whoever this man is, he dies and then he's rescued. Did you see that? He's laid in the dust of death and rescue comes after that. What on earth is going on? You see, I think it's David writing, not just as a poet king, but as a prophet king, writing about seeing Jesus. You see, there was a day when God went through this darkness that we read about in this psalm. There was a day when Jesus, God in human flesh, spoke these words. This is the script for his last few hours of life. It's the script for the last few hours of his life. If you know the crucifixion story, you'll maybe have picked up on that as we were reading it. But you see, there was a day when God went through this darkness where he lived this. And because of that, we can have hope that dawn will break into our darkness. He lived this. This last line where it says he has done it is about Jesus because he was the one who did this. He was encircled. He was attacked. He was betrayed and mocked. They pierced his hands and his feet. They divided his garments among them. They ogled at his suffering and shook their heads at him and, and said, well, why don't you just come down from the cross if you're really God's son? This happened to Jesus. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He really was forsaken. He didn't just feel like it, like we sometimes do. And he really was cut off. He didn't just feel like it, like we sometimes do. He really was forsaken. And he was there instead of us. He took our place. You see, none of us deserve to know that God is our God. None of us deserve to call him Father. None of us deserve to have him rescue us through death into eternal life. We deserve the exact opposite. Don't we? I think we know that deep down. We deserve to be forsaken because we've forsaken God. We so often just ignore him until we need him. We so often just live as if the one who keeps us and sustains us and who made us, who's keeping you alive and giving you every single next breath now, we so often live as if, as if he's not even here. And that is deeply wrong. We deserve to be forsaken because we've forsaken God. But Jesus... Well, Jesus, God himself, who walked into human history, he lived perfectly. He never did any of the wrong kind of things that we do. He always lived faithful and attentively to God his Father. And then he died this death 
where the father turned his face away from him, where he was forsaken by his own father, where he faced abandonment, like a child turning up back at home to find that the door has been locked and all of their stuff is in black bags out on the road. Jesus cried out to his father and really was forsaken. He was under God's justified anger at us, at the darkness that we've brought into the world, at the darkness of our hearts, at the darkness of us turning our backs on him, the God who is light. Jesus took all of our darkness, all of our mess, all of our sin on himself. Do you see what he was doing? Do you see what he was doing there? Now that should have been me hanging there. It should have been you. But he did it instead. It was him instead. And he finished the job. He was the one who cried out as he died. It is finished. That's really, really very close to the very last line of this psalm, isn't it? That he has done it. That's Jesus taking those words on his lips and saying, it is finished. I've done it. It's done. So so we can know it really is over. As in all of that darkness in us has been washed away. All of our sins have, have been taken away. All is forgiven. It's finished. So some people reckon that Jesus, when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in between that time, when it went dark and the earth shook and God the Father turned his face away, through all of that time, he was whispering this psalm through to himself until he screamed out, it is finished and died. But Jesus, when he went through his darkness, was pouring out words of scripture, words of hope, the kind of hope that we've been reading about, the hope of verse 21, that he would be saved. And he knew that he would be, but through the other side of death. Well, how did that happen? How could Jesus have hope even in that darkest of moments of all of history? How could he have hope? Well, because he knew that three days later, he would be alive again. And he really was. Three days later, there he was. He was alive, scarred, but glorified. And the angels announced that it was true. His followers saw that it was true. And one day, all of the world will know that it's true, that God is God, that he can be your father, and that he will bring you through every darkness as you trust in the Lord Jesus. So we can face darkness, even death. If you're trusting Jesus, you can face even death, knowing it's not the end. We can be laid in the dust of death as if it was just sleep, knowing with certainty that one day dawn will break, that we'll wake up and that there'll be joy and singing and feasting and recounting forever the stories of this incredible rescue. See, we can face anything knowing that there is nothing that a good resurrection can't fix. Isn't that good news? It's stunning news, isn't it? I mean, can you feel why there's just such joy at the end of the psalm? Why dawn breaks and horror just recedes into memory because it's so good and it breaks the boundaries of everything, old and young, far and near, rich and poor. Everybody gets to know about this really good news. And there's still hard times, aren't there? Many of us know that. Many of us are facing darkness right now. Valleys and shadows and thick forests and thorns. But we know we can know with rock-solid confidence that in all of those things, God has not abandoned us, that you are not alone. It's no coincidence that the next psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So let me ask you this morning, has that dawn broken into your life? Do you know this Jesus? Is he your shepherd? Or are you still slogging along in darkness on your own? Well, this morning, if that's you, if you're still working away in darkness on your own, well, then 
look for him. Put your hand out and put it into his nail-scarred hand. Ask him to forgive, to strengthen and to lead you safely home. Do you know him already? Well, who's in darkness around you? How does this good news of Jesus bring light to their situation? And what could you do to help dawn break into their lives this week? All of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all of the families of the nations will bow down before him. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Amen.